and I don't care what has happened, and he, he doesn't look at what has happened, but I'm telling you right now, he wants to embrace you right where you are right now. No, I'm not worthy to get in his presence. You are. He loved you in your broken state. He loved you full of sin. We're going to get into this. Go ahead and read. <laughs> We're going to try to get through this. How about that? Are you guys ready? Are you on? Okay, turn this mic on. <laughs> I think it's the one Misi was in. Check you. There we go. Hey, now David, this is 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which is on a hill. And Uzzah and Ahio the sons of Abinadab were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood, with, and with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom, all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. And David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and the fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord was shouting and the sound of a trumpet. <sighs> right, you guys ready? We're going we're gonna to dig in real quick. When a crime happens, they wrap everything up. They wrap up the scene. And today, for this, this, this setting, we're going to call this guard the evidence. Because what happens is, it's vital 
at any crime scene or whatever's going on that you guard the evidence. You don't want it to be tampered with. You don't want anything out of place. What has happened needs to be guarded. And today, what we're going to get into and the way God is leading us, he's wanting you to guard the evidence. Guard the evidence. The story's pretty crazy. The story of David going to get the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the dwelling place of God. They've, been, they've made movies about it. And there's all kinds of incredible stories about it, even how it was built in the time of Moses. And what had happened was, is the Ark of the Covenant was taken. His presence dwelled in that Ark. So wherever that Ark went, he went. And so they got to a place where David wanted to get the Ark of the Covenant. It had been taken for a long time. The Philistines have taken it. Now, if you remember David and the Philistines, we're talking about David and Goliath. We're talking about that big old fight, that big old battle. But the Philistines have taken the Ark of the Covenant. And then the Ark of the Covenant set. They got the Ark of the Covenant back. But like he said, it went to a home. Abinadab, it went to his house. When they took it back, they just took it and basically hid it. And when they hid it, they left it alone. They basically just left it in a spot and didn't deal with it. They left it just off to the side. And David, well, like you read, it, it, he took 30,000 men young warriors, to go retrieve this ark. Now, he wasn't taking them to fight these people. He might have had a thought if there might be a war in the passing of this. But where the ark was, was in the kingdom within the realm of Israel. And David takes his men to go capture this ark. But what I want to tell you real quick in this, this thing, and we're going to chime in on this, but the most intriguing thing to this is when you read about these stories and about Saul becoming king, you don't hear anything about the Ark of the Covenant. You hear that he's taken, you know, he, he, he fought a war and won, and, and there was a, an issue because he brought back their king, and why do I hear the sound of these animals? Because he was supposed to destroy everything. Kill all, take all. Nothing's supposed to be alive. You're going to collect the reward off of it. And he was proud because he wanted to show, I got this king. But he never talked about the Ark of the Covenant. When they got the Ark back, they took the Ark to Abinadab's house, his house. Which is so crazy because I was talking to Pastor Josh about this. Because, listen, I'm telling you right now, when you study the Word of God, it will blow your mind. It will change your life. It's just not another book, a novel that you read. This thing transcends everything. We think we have it rough right now with Corona and the presidents and all that stuff. This thing has been through worse Come on. Come on. and outlasted it. 
But Abinadad, the ark was there. A, a quick little recap on Abinadad. That was Saul's son. So Saul takes this ark, takes it to his son's. Basically, I'm going to take my ark to the son's house. Takes the ark there. They, they have the ark in, 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 in his house. And then just leave it alone. Don't do anything about it. And, and what's, what's so crazy about this, mom, is that we as Christians at times, we accept that, oh, he's with us. And we leave him to the side. And we just like, oh, he's part of the household. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to mark it on my, my post. Put it on my car. I'm gonna, you know, I say it. But we just throw him to the side with no reverence, no respect, because it's just, it's just what we do. It's Sunday. It's just what we do today. And we throw him. We've taken the presence of God, and we have not guarded it. We have taken it lightly. How do I know this? Because if the king of kings dwells within you and you are his temple, what are you doing with your temple? Do you take it lightly? Do you justify I just can't quit? We throw it to the side like it doesn't matter. And then we start doing life with him in the distance. And we get so distant that we might almost forget where we left him. So David's at this place of, he's the king. He just took Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't the capital. He just fought for a hill. Jerusalem is this hill that just is like the center point of all of Israel. And he took it. And what he longed for was the presence of God. He's always talked to God, but he wanted his presence because in the Old Testament, everything was wrapped around this Ark of the Covenant and how his glory would sit in it. And wherever his, the Ark of the Covenant went, that's where I wanted to be. When it was led and when you, you kept him in the house with you and where you went, you were blessed. When, when he was with you, you were blessed. So David longed for this. This moment. He longed for this. And I think what's happened is, is like this caution tape, just like any kind of scene that's, that happens, we have to guard the evidence. The glory of God, we have to guard it. And if we look deep enough in our lives, what have we not been guarding? The evidence. So David takes this trip and he goes to the house and he finds the Ark of the Covenant. And what's crazy about this is that there's a lot of worship going on. David knew that it, the only way I'm going to get through this is I'm going to worship my way through this. Yeah. Yeah. And he just started worshiping. And it said like all these people, so some of these army people were worshipers. And loud, awesome sounds coming coming out and leading the way. We've gathered the presence of God. And what's crazy is, listen, they stick it on the, on the cart. They collect it. 
They get it all ready. And they put it on a new cart with new wood. I mean, this is fresh. It's like getting a new car and like, I'm going to invite God in. It's brand new. I bet he'll like this one. It smells good. And they start going. And Uzzah and his brother, Ahio, or some crazy names, <laughs> were the sons of Odobeam, which were the grandsons of Saul, King Saul. And they led the way. They drove it. They set up in the cart and drove it. They walked by it. They were taking charge of bringing the presence of God back to where it needed to be. It needed to be right in the middle of that hill. Right in the dead center of it. Of the capital. To know that his glory is going to sit here and surround the entire place. But then there was a problem. And, and it could have been a rock. It could have been a crater. If you read the story, it says that, his, that where, the, where his house was, it was on a hill. So you had to like kind of drive off the hill. And the cart started to fall. And Uzzah grabs the ark to save the ark. I mean, you guys understand where his heart is in this. He's trying to save the ark of the covenant. Because if it falls, it's going to bust open and all, it was solid gold and it had all these articles and it was the house of, of, of where God dwelled. And God got so angry that he struck him dead in the spot. It, even if you, if you read it and you look up the, 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 uh, the Hebrew word of him dying, in the Hebrew it talks about a violent death, like he exploded. And so in the, in the end of this, you're looking at this and saying, well, hold up. And this man is trying to save this ark. And see, what happens in these moments is that we don't guard the evidence. Because he was never meant to touch the ark. And the reality is, the ark was never meant to be put on a cart. Who put it on the cart first? The Philistines, the enemy. The enemy put it on the cart and brought it over and stole it. And why in the world would David and his men put it back the way that the enemy had it? And see, what happens is, is we, if we don't guard the evidence what God is doing, we will do the exact same thing the way we used to do it and call ourselves a Christian and go back to the same exact way we were living. Are we compromising it a little bit and justify it? And it struck him dead. Because here's the reality. The cart was never meant to be there. You know what that wood was for? That was for an, uh, to build an altar. You're not going to roll your worship on a cart. You're going to sacrifice it. And David did it the same way the Philistines took it. You cannot try to act like you're going to have the presence of God the same way you used to live. And I know right there that shakes people. 
Because we can look at what we do, and are we truly guarding the evidence of what God has done? The glory of God that rests upon us, what he has done in us personally, are we truly guarding that? And if you've watched any crime shows and stuff like that, any CSI stuff or Chicago PD or whatever, when they guard the evidence, man, I'm telling you, they wrap that thing up, nobody's getting in. Only a couple is getting in, but they have a protocol of how they get in and where they walk and what they touch and what they don't touch. See, we, don't, we, take, the, we take the Holy Spirit and the glory of God so lightly that we don't even want to guard it. We're like, oh, that was great, and we go back to doing whatever we wanted, and we do not guard the wellspring of our own personal hearts. And we let it just get entangled with the past. And we let old things get back on there, like taking the, the Ark of the Covenant back on the cart. We let old things get back onto our hearts that weren't supposed to be there. Old feelings, old relational things. We let this stuff get on our heart that's not, we're supposed to guard this. We have to guard the evidence. Because, see, it, it didn't even stop there. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to let Josh or Mom go for a minute. But we got a spot where we're excited. The ark's coming. And, and it blows my mind that you read the story at the beginning and they were shouting and they were lifting it up and the worship was going forth and they were excited and we got this. But look at this. Look at our, look at our routine. That we're going to worship. In a, and, and you wonder why sometimes you see churches and, and even individuals so stuck in their ways because they act like they're worshiping their way through it. And they still got the Holy Spirit stuck on a cart. Going through the same thing. Lifting it up. Yeah, where he's good. Yeah, we got it. Woo! And he's still on the cart with some cattle. Like you're not hosting the presence of God. That's not what he intended. And we, 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 we try to fight our way through these good times, but we have not guarded the evidence of what God is doing in us personally. And so we try to worship, and it might tingle a little bit because, ooh, you played that song I like, and that makes me feel good. And in the end, when it's said and done, you still got the Ark of the Covenant on the wagon. Because, listen, it was never meant to be on a wagon it was, it was meant to be on something more valuable than a wagon. And I don't care where you get the wood from. I don't care if you get it imported and it's real nice and fancy and carved and stained. The Ark of the Covenant was meant to be on something more valuable, our shoulders. It was meant to be carried. It was meant to be carried and had respect. But see, if we don't guard the evidence of what God is doing... We will take the easy road in our lives. If we don't guard the evidence, we'll be like, whoa, yeah, if we can get these two wheels and like that's good and that's real creative. You guys did a good job building that. Let's put it on there. And honestly, taking the cart like that and rolling it, where's the sacrifice? Because honestly, the sacrifice is carrying that thing all the way back to the city. My man, that's too far. Why don't I just put it on here for a minute? Why don't we just roll it this way? Why don't we do it this way? Because that just seems easier. 
Now, if we just do, it, look, in our personal life, if I just do it just like, you know, if I just, like, open it, you know, the, there's a Bible app. It's real cool. Because if you just open it and it'll show you the verse of the day, that's good enough, right? It gave me a cool verse. It was meant to be. It was just prophetic. And that's all I get. Well, I read my Bible because it gave me my verse of the day. Like, God isn't, God isn't wanting you to just... Like, have a little dangle of snack. I'm like, oh, this is good. No, he's wanting you to dig in. He's wanting you to, to find the mysteries of, he's wanting you, there's a lot more that I'm about to, that we're going to get into real quick. But it's because you dig. And you have this moment with the king. And you have to guard it. I mean, the reality is, is have we, have you been guarding the evidence of what God is doing? Or you just set it to the side? There's, there's, there's no, no, no caution. There's no tape wrapped around it. There's nothing. You, you might as well just live like you were living before you had him. Because if we're not guarding the evidence, then what? we're acceptable to everything else that comes our way. Because if we do not guard this, something else happens. Go ahead. I didn't give this to you, Christy, but it's okay. First Chronicles chapter 13, verse 3. And let us bring back the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. David points out something really quick. He said, let's bring the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem where it's supposed to be because right now we lived in a generation that had no interest in seeking God. Under a king's rule, we had no interest in seeking God. So what one generation forfeits, another generation will recapture. Jesus Say that again, because I don't think people heard you. What one generation forfeits, the next generation will recapture. So where we're sitting right now is in a place where we are recapturing what generations before us lost. That's why we got seeker-friendly churches in our, in our nation today that are, that are 15 minutes of worship, 15 minutes of preaching, and out the door so that we can get the Sizzler to get something to eat. Yeah, I said Sizzler, you cray-crays. <laughs> We want to get to the place so we can eat because that's what we get satisfied with. But what we don't understand is what we are recapturing right now is something that will satisfy us beyond anything food could ever desire. Listen to this. They tried to get Jesus to go get food. You're hungry, Jesus. I know you're hungry. You need to go get food. You need to eat. And he looks at them. Yeah, the disciples told him this. And he looks at them and he says, I eat of food that you know not of. I eat of something that you don't even know about. I get in the glory. I get in the presence, and that's where I stay, and that satisfies everything about me. I'm sitting here thinking about this whole cart thing, them bringing the glory, the presence, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. And I began to ponder, even in my own personal life, how many times have I tried to put the presence of God on my cart, on my cart that I built? What do you mean? Well, watch this. I've allowed people to speak into my life. Well, it's okay to watch this. It's okay to listen to this. God's not going to be mad at you for doing this. God's not going to be upset at you. It's okay to compromise every once in a while. And so what I've done is I've built a cart called compromise. And I try to put the presence on that. And I get upset with God when he doesn't bless me because I try to put him on my cart of compromise. Let me, let me read this real quick. Jeremiah 2.11 says in the message, But my people have traded my glory for empty God dreams and silly God schemes. 
Verse 13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And that generation dug cisterns of their own self, man-made things like the cart, and they forsake the glory of God. We have a place. We're, we're in a generation. We're in a place right now at a crossroad. Isn't it funny that we're the crossroad of America? We're historically the crossroad of America. And we're in a place of the crossroad that we're either going to choose one way or the other. But you know what's interesting is Obed-Edom. When they took it to his house, do you know that Obed-Edom was never mentioned? When all of that fell and Uzzah died and he said, I got to take it to Obed-Edom's house. Obed in the Hebrew means worshiper. It means a servant. So is God in your house? Are you a worshiper? Are you a servant? That he can come and dwell in your house. What's interesting is he, Obed guarded the evidence the whole time it said in that house. Here it was, Joshua, that he, it was in the house of Saul's grandson, of Saul's son, doing nothing. There was a generation that did nothing. They didn't even care about. They traded the glory for broken cisterns. And so here we are with the house. It's in a house that nobody cared. And the next place it goes, it goes to a house of a worshiper. It goes to a house of a servant. And then you said, you read that, Joshua, that he blessed, he blessed the sons of Obed-Edom, blessed their grandchildren. He had eight sons and 62 altogether in his family that were blessed. Every one of them, Sharon, served the Lord. Because it got in his house. Obed-Edom didn't say, oh, well, it's in my house. No, Obed-Edom was a gatekeeper. He was a doorkeeper. If it's coming into your house, are you a gatekeeper to the, to the glory of God? Are you a doorkeeper? Well, the reality is, Mom, is that... After that happened, when Uzzah died because of that, two things happened. Da David was mad. He was upset about it. And the other thing is he was fearful. Like, what the heck just happened here? And when he took it to that house, I want to tell you something. Is your house ready for the presence of God? That's right. Like, it was unexpected. He just showed up at his door. Here's the Ark of the Covenant. He was never mentioned. Ever until he took it to his door. That's when Obed-Edom's name was mentioned. This guy doing life, doing whatever he's been always doing, and all of a sudden, the presence of God showed up at his house. Are you prepared for the presence of God in your house? Because, listen, if he dwells within you, then that should be happening anyway. But if you're not guarding the evidence, what's in your house? Would you be embarrassed if I came in your house? Would you have to hide movies if I came in your house? Like, be thinking about this. Oh, I better take that out of the cabinet. I don't want the pastor to see that. That's not for him. He's not Catholic. I Maybe I, I better stop. But, but what, what would you do? Because if you don't guard the evidence and it's not guarded, you do whatever. Things everywhere. 
I'm just living my life. This is who I am. It's okay if I do what I want. You were bought with a price. The Son, the Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world died for you. Well, he didn't call David, you know, and he didn't text David. David didn't text Obed-Edom or didn't call him and say, hey, I'm getting ready to bring uh, the Ark of the Covenant to your house. No, he came to his door and that house was already prepared. And there's a preparation that God's doing that we need to prepare ourselves for the glory of God. We need to search ourselves out because he's coming into your house. He came to a worshiper's house. He came to a gatekeeper's house. He was, Obed-Edom was one of the main ones to guard the, the Ark of the Covenant. He not only went into his house, but when David came to get it, Obed-Edom left his house, left everything, took his family, and went to the city of David. And he was the main gatekeeper. He was guarding the evidence at all times for the rest of his life. Not only did he come to his house, but he left and went to the hill. Left everything he had and went to the hill to guard the presence of God. Can you just leave everything you have and go to the hill, the city of David, and guard the presence of God? Or are we too worried? We always have this try in us. We have to get this done. Or this has to be done. Or it's just me. I'm trying to do this. I'm, you got to get the try out. You, you have to... You have to guard the evidence and still stay focused on what, what was last week. Focus on the mission. Because whether it goes your way or not, God still wants you to guard the evidence. Whether you get your way and be bratty or not, let, let's just be real about it. Oh, I didn't get my way, so this ain't my way. God didn't answer it. I guess I'm just not going to. And you still have to keep being focused and still moving. Maybe it wasn't time yet. But the promise, like Pastor Jen said, doesn't outweigh the glory. Yeah. No. It's not the at mission. All. Go ahead. As they were taking this cart, it says that they came to the threshing floor. Yes. And at the threshing floor is when the oxen stumbled. And that's when Uzzah reached out to grab the Ark of the Covenant. And, and I began to ponder this, and I was thinking, man, the threshing floor is crazy. It's the ground or floor space yes. for threshing or treading out wheat. Sometimes when we become complacent or we begin to compromise and we think we're good, well, I got the presence of God because I got goosebumps on Sunday, and then I go on from that experience and try to live off of that all week long instead of having a relationship with him every day of the week and having something new, some new encounter happen. What God has to do is he has to bring us to a place of the threshing floor where he begins to lay us down on this floor and begin to beat out of us the things that have become idle in us. Because we have idols in our life that keep us from ever hosting the true glory of God. Because I'm going to tell you something real. And if this offends you, sorry, get over it. But the reality is, is we talk about the glory so much but know nothing about it. Right. Well, man, that church service was powerful. The glory was there. No, it wasn't. Because if it was, nobody would have been standing in the room. Because when the glory shows up, everybody gets on their face. When the glory shows up, demons begin to bow, and no demon in a person could even stay in this room when the glory comes. 
See, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that God has taken us to a place where he is threshing the things out of us so that we can truly host and maintain the glory of God. And the reality of this is, is we got too many people in our ears telling us this is okay and that's okay and this is okay and that's okay. And we compromise. I had this written down last week and I was so disturbed that I didn't get to be here to speak. At the same time, I had a blast with my wife, so suckers, I had fun. So listen, <laughs> we got too many people in our ears. God wants you to see that there are people in your life with good intentions but no godly direction. There are people in your life that have great intentions but no godly direction. How many people were around David that day? 30,000 people. And there were Levites there. There were priests there. And not one of them stepped up and said, No, man, we can't put that on a cart. That's got to go on the shoulders of the Levites. Not one of them said it. What kind of people did David have around him? Not the ones that were going to step up and say, no, David, if you do that, someone's going to die. If you do that, we're not going to be able to take the presence of God where it's supposed to go. I want people around me that will look at me and say, Josh, that's sin. Josh, that's sin. Josh, that's compromise. Josh, knock it off. I need people in my life like that. Not somebody that's going to patty cake me and tell me, it's okay, baby. Keep living that style. Keep living that way. If you come here and you want us to pat you on the butt, you came to the wrong place because we want the glory more than we want you. I want the glory more than I want you. I want the glory in my house more than I want you. Real quick. So David surrounded himself with, this is, this is where it has to balance in your friendships because all his mighty men, they were ruthless. They'll cut somebody real quick. I mean, they are buck wild. But in that group that he had, he didn't have a few that were going to help him spiritually in his growth. And that's why if David said put it on the cart, it was going on the cart. They didn't question it, and they're like, who do we need to kill? You know, if you're not putting it on the cart, I'm killing you, you know. And, but he didn't have anybody. The craziest thing is that the sons of Oda B, what's his name? Oh, the, yeah. Oh, Betty. <laughs> Whatever. His sons were present, 30,002 people. His sons were supposed to guard this. His sons were supposed to be in the priestly line. They knew and yet didn't. They felt proud. Well, what happened to the father? He died with his father. Their granddaddy which was Saul, died in a battle, and so did his dad. But when your grandparents and your parents don't have no need for the glory, you'll never understand or learn how to host or entertain the glory. Absolutely. Well, Matthew 3, 12, his willowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, and burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. And I think that we're in a place of the willowing fork, just like I said that the crossroads of we're standing in a place. You'll either love the one and hate the other. You can't, you can't mix and match. You can't prostitute the anointing. Because God is going to, he is bringing the willowing fork and he is separating 
Isn't it funny that it fell right at the threshing floor? It stumbled right at the threshing floor where the, where the things are separated. And I think that God's trying to separate things in our lives. And we know, just like I said last week, you know when you stand in the mirror naked after you get out of a shower and you look at yourself, you know for real who you really are. You can put all your makeup on. You can put, I don't want you to put makeup on, Rod. You can put, don't, please don't wear a dress. But do you know what I'm saying? You know yourself who you are and what you need to do. And I think there's a warning to us because when he took it to Obed-Edom's house, he already knew he was a Levite. It had to sit in there. And it sat in there for three months, three months in the house. And you know what? While Pastor Brandon was talking, I was thinking about how the heaviness of the Lord when we were worshiping it brings, it brings an incense to his nostrils is what it says. Well, look at this. It sat in there for three months, and he knew what to do with the presence of God. He yes. guarded the evidence. Yes, he did. Where it sat before that, 13 years. 13 years. Crickets. Crickets. Didn't hear nothing. No. Didn't hear anything about the glory of God. You didn't hear anything about the blessings of God. They didn't guard the evidence. Might as well put it in your storage unit that you'd hope to fill another house with. You, anybody got stuff in the garage and places that you think you're going to use someday and you've been holding it for a long time? Get rid of it, guys. Come on. Jeans. I do the same thing. Jeans. I'm going to get back in those 31s. Not. <laughs> but, but see, what it seemed like 13 years, and then Saul's dead, his son's dead, yeah. and then now Saul's grandkids are the ones with it, yeah. and they get excited because David came to their house yeah. to get it, and in the end, when Uzzah dies, yeah. David's a mess with it, yeah. and the glory of God shows up at a random person's house. We have to guard the evidence, guys. It's never meant to just be taken lightly. It's never meant to just be pulled by these cattle or, or whatever animals they were using. Those animals were meant to be used as sacrifice to the holy God. And see, listen, we host, if he dwells within us, that's the temple. We host the presence of God in our lives. We have to, like we talked about last week, focus on the mission. See, we have to guard the evidence, guys. Listen, I keep saying this. This ain't just to say it. What has God done in your life? Guard the evidence. Let's just start with the, the biggest one. Salvation. Guard the evidence. What about what's happened here? We have to guard the evidence. I want to say, and I, it, it's, it's a, I'm going to throw it out there, a random number. It, it might be close. But in 2020, I, mm, close to a million pounds of food. Given away. Seeing people give their heart to the Lord. Seeing addictions fall off people. People being healed in our parking lot. We have to guard the evidence. Seeing God wreck this place. 
in a four-hour baptism service. 47, 40, I don't know how many, 47, I think, people gave, got baptized. And we, we were just doing it a part of the service. And you know what's crazy? When you're in the presence of God and His glory's there, time just, just doesn't matter anymore. Not that we're not, we're not aware of your time and what's important to you, but I'm just telling you right now, I didn't know it was 4 o'clock. And anybody else that stayed around and watched that happen, People that were just sitting in seats like you with nothing else, jumping in the stinking hot tub. Baptistry, if we're being holy. Just jumping in. And not just jumping in by themselves. They jump in with their kids, their other kids, the whole family. Like, we going down together. We're doing this together. Like the whole family. We got to guard the evidence. It didn't matter if they had change of clothes. It didn't, no, didn't matter. matter. They went home wet, cold, soaked. You saw footprints all the way out the door. Dude, think about this. I'm sitting here and I keep getting this visual of Obed-Edom sitting in his house. Yeah. Three months the glory of God is in this house with him. His dreams were different. His children were different. His relationship with his wife was different. His finances were different. Yeah. The crops were different. The crops were different. Everything and all of a sudden, after three months, David shows up and says, "Hey, man, I need I need that back." Yeah. Oh, but Edom says, "Okay, you can have it, but I'm coming." Yeah. <laughs> I ain't leaving it again. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm coming because I'm on guard what God's been doing in me. You can come here and experience the glory, but until you take it home with you. Jesus. See, we, we try to come here and we want to stay here in the presence of God. We want to lay in the altars. But when was the last time you laid in the altar at home? When was the last time you hosted the glory at home or you guarded the glory at home? The reason your marriage is falling apart and your kids are acting up is because you only want him once a week. But if you get him seven days a week, it would change everything. But see, what happened was that, listen, what happened was after it came out of his home, it came to a city. Yeah. So the glory of God came up on the hill. Because when we can guard the evidence in our home, we can guard the evidence in the city. John 17, 23. Put that up for me, Christy. John 17, 23. Listen to this in the message. Let me get my Bible. This is so powerful to me. And give the godless world evidence. Um, and give the godless world evidence that you sent me and loved them in the same way you loved me. Give the godless world evidence. Not only do you guard the evidence, you give the world evidence. Yeah. You have to. And here's what's crazy, Mom. They got it. He, it's so powerful. I need that ark back. Okay, you can have it, but I'm coming with it. When are, that's a desperation. Like, I'm not leaving it. I don't care. I'll move my whole family to where it's going. Yeah. He's blessed me. Yeah. His presence is too good for me to not to take it. Yeah, I'm going with it. If it's going, I'm going. Pack your bags, kids. Get the goats, girls. We going. <laughs> it didn't matter because the presence of God outweighs everything else. Just like we said last week, it outweighs the promises and all the stuff that might happen. His glory outweighs all of that. 
Please believe we are not that shallow or the glory of God is not that shallow to think that it only rests in an in the church revival service. It's not that shallow. It's way bigger than that. Gets up and takes it. And what does David do? He takes the cart, gets rid of the cart, keeps the cattle because he needs it because he's going to take six steps and make a sacrifice and take six more steps and make a sacrifice. I don't care if you got to walk six steps because everybody's got the little things that tell them how many steps you take and maybe give glory to God every six steps or however you got to figure it out in your own personal life. Everybody's got the trackers on their phone, how many steps we're taking, how many calories we're losing. If we're doing it right in the new year, give it to the Lord. Give it to him. So they took six steps and they sacrificed a fatted calf and a bull because that's the way that, that that's how they worship because I thank the Lord that he died on a cross and toward the VIP veil so I can boldly go before the throne or we would have a bloody mess up here at this altar because he was the ultimate sacrifice that died for the sins of the world that I don't have to grab animals and sacrifice and bring it to the Lord we boldly go before and speak to him here at church at home, at work, in the car, in the shower, everywhere you go, six steps, sacrifice. So if you, if you have a Bible in, in this week or this afternoon, go to your maps and see where this was and see where Jerusalem was and do a little bit of math and see six steps and sacrifice all the way back to Jerusalem and see how much cattle was sacrificed to the Lord. See how many times they stopped. I mean, you're just talking six steps. I'm, if I stand here and go all the way there, there's way more than six steps. We're going to make about four or five sacrifices before I get to the end of the door. And they did it all the way back to Jerusalem. And guess what was different? Their worship was different. What else was different? They carried it because they put it on the most valuable thing, us. Because God stooped down to create us with his bare hands in his image. And listen, before Christ dies on the cross, what happens? You would go and say, you're the priest, and I would say, I've got these issues going on. And he would go behind the veil and present it and make a sacrifice to God on my behalf. But when Jesus Christ tore the veil, we could go boldly before the throne on our own behalf. So, so what does that mean? Well, if I have the presence of God, then we're all considered like priests. Because we carry the presence of God and we get to go right into the throne room. We get to go boldly before him. And I get to carry that in there and speak to him and lay at the altar and just, just cry or, or talk to him or be frustrated and just have a conversation with him boldly? Yeah. So David, he, 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 he figured it out. Because the people around him did not communicate it. Because Saul's grandchildren were a part of the Levites, were part of the priesthood. And only the priests were allowed to do this. They were only the ones that, nobody else could do it. If you were a priest, you were doing it. They were priests, and yet they didn't do it. They were just excited. They were leading the way. And then when it fell, he dies. And then he does his homework. And um, three months worth. Takes, goes back to the city frustrated, probably calling in everybody. Where's all the priests? What's going on here? What happened? What did somebody not tell me? Be careful. Because, yes, one generation lack, and then the other person can pick it up. But also, 
you can get into some trouble. We don't want the next generation to not know. We want them to know. Do you ever want ever talk to anybody in, in maybe your own life situations and you're like, listen, students, don't go down the road I went down. And you start giving them the encouragement and wisdom. Like, I've been there. Don't go there. And, you know, they're going to make their own minds up in the end. But nobody was like, David, if you ever get the Ark of the Covenant, make sure you don't put that on. Don't touch it, number one. And don't just put it on a cart. You need to, you need to have, the, have, have the priest carry that thing. And they need to be a distance from that on those poles. And then the worship needs to go forth. See, they were going forth with the worship and having a cattle pull it. And that cattle was never meant to pull it. That cattle was meant to die for a sacrifice. Yeah. They had the fatted calf, and it was big, and it pulled it. And they worship in the cattle. They worship in that nice wood. They worship in all in the wrong way. You have to guard the evidence. Like I said at the very beginning in the crime scene, they wrap it around and they, they, so that it's not tampered with, so that nothing happens. And what you got to look deep down in your life. What has God done? Because, I mean, we can dig real deep about, like, what he's not done. Like, oh, well, he ain't done this yet. And, and timing is everything. Or what you've not done. What has the Lord done for you? What has Jesus done for you? And have you guarded it? Or you just take it lightly and you just put it up on a hill somewhere and hide it like it's a storage unit and go about your day? Oh, I'll get to you later, God. I preached a sermon a while back and uh, flipped a lot of people out because I was flipping tables in here about Jesus in the temple. And one point that Jesus makes in that, and there's a lot of stuff going on. He kept saying, why do you keep caging the, 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 the dove? Get those doves out of the cage. Because the problem is, is we only want to use the Holy Spirit when we want him. And we want to put him back and let him just sit there. And, and we'll, we might feed it a little bit. But when you let the Holy Spirit loose, it's going to do its job. Don't cage the Holy Spirit. Guard the evidence. Guard it well. See, let me, let me read this. He got up. He said, I'm going with you. So 30,000 and two 32,000 and his entire family. We're talking a lot of people now. So, what's amazing is that the Ark of the Covenant, like she said, got back in the city. And it said that they brought the, the Ark of the Covenant to the place in, in the city. And David, uh, they, they, they build an altar and they, they made a sacrifice and they danced before the Lord. And I'm talking David got buck wild before the Lord. He was just excited about the presence of God is finally here. And like Pastor Josh read earlier, like they just, they just weren't aware of it and they didn't do anything with it before, which was sad. I think there's three different houses we're dealing with. Hold on, let me finish this. Okay. So he brings the Ark of the Covenant back. He brings it right back into the city. He makes a sacrifice. And I love what it says uh, further down. It says after he did that, after the Holy Spirit came and dwelled and he made a sacrifice, he started dis distributing to all the people cakes and food and bread and dates and raisins to all the people and, and to every household in the city. When the Holy Spirit and the, the presence of the Lord rested in the city, he made a sacrifice. He worshiped the Lord, and he started to feed the city. 
I don't know about you, but that jacked me up. Because what are we doing? We're trying to feed our city. And listen, again, we're trying to feed them. That's just a tool. What they need is the Holy Spirit. They need Jesus, but they are seeing it. We have to guard the evidence. We have to guard the evidence. He's come. He wants to dwell. What have you not been guarding? Do you take your, the name Christian lightly? Do you take what he has done and the moments he has had in your personal life lightly? Oh, it's just a thing. It was just a, that was a coincidence. Just a coincidence. No. 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 I was just sitting here thinking, maybe God is looking for some Obed-Edoms. God is looking for some Obed-Edoms that when the glory moves, they move. Because, see, he's the one on the move. We just got to follow him. The struggle with some of us is, man, is we get so frustrated in our calling because we're too busy sitting in our seats of complacency while the glory's moving over here. Well, because of the house, there was a house of abandonment. They abandoned that house. And then there was that blessing house. And then there was the city house. And I think God's trying to search us to say, what house... Do you, are you, because Obed-Edom was a worshiper and a servant. He wasn't just a worshiper. We can say, well, I, I worship and, and I sing. But if we don't use our hands, then we're really not guarding anything. Go ahead. Stand with me, guys. We're going to close this up. I just really believe that God is looking for some people in this place. Yes, the first house was abandonment. They didn't want nothing to do with it. But David said, we got to go get the ark. But then it went to the house of Obed-Edom. And I believe that Obed-Edom was so radically transformed in that glory that was there. That when David came to take it, he said, man, I got to go. I don't care what possessions I have. I don't care how hard I've worked on this house. I don't care. I don't care what I've got. I don't even care about my job that I got here. I got to follow him. Because that glory is what changed me. That glory is what changed my house. That glory on my house radically changed everything. So I got to go where he goes and I got to guard that evidence. I got to guard what he did in my children. I got to guard what he did in my wife. I got to guard what he did in me. I don't want to spend the rest of my days not guarding what God's been doing in me. I watched God wreck teenagers Thursday night in the glory of God. I'm telling you, wreck them Thursday night in the glory of God. Because God showed me that there is a Herod spirit out there trying to take the identities of, of kids all around this world right now. But I'm telling you that the spirit of Jesus is living in this world that is re-identifying his people and showing them who they really are. But until we begin to guard that evidence and guard the glory that he wants us to carry, we will keep looking in the mirror and turning away and not realizing who we were created to be. You were designed for a purpose, the purpose of glorifying him and carrying his presence everywhere you go, everywhere. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just going to say this right here. We're going to get into worship. If you would say, I need to be an Obed-Edom, and I've, I've compromised in some areas in my life, I've compromised, and I've not, I've not lived the way I was supposed to live. I've tried to put God on my cart that I built. I'm telling you, there's a threshing floor up here right now. The God, 
God wants you to come to. And he's going to begin to thresh the things out of your life that he doesn't want there so that he can pour more of him in you. So that you become a real carrier of his glory and of his presence. If that's you, come on. Come on right now. And don't just enjoy the glory and the presence here this morning, but take him home with you and let him thresh your house.